Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. I don't know about you, but I'm starting to miss some things around here at church. And, and, and so if, you, if you're out there, uh, drop in the comments what you're missing. Maybe you're missing the, nor, uh, the normality, getting ready for church, getting dressed up. Maybe you are missing our community breakfast, Jaron, and you're, in, you're missing getting those donuts uh, every Sunday morning. Maybe you're missing somebody. Drop their name down here and let them know that uh, you love on them a little bit. Here's what I'm missing. I'm missing Miss Davy sitting in the back there and um, just saying amen as loud as she can. I miss Miss Carla Kern sitting here on the front, giving me a hard time if I give my wife a hard time. I miss Pastor Lee Redfern sitting right behind her and what I call preaching from the pew. If you ever sit close to him, you know what I'm talking about. I miss Paul and Connie Lee coming in after the services started because they've been out in the parking lot or out in the foyer as part of our First Impressions team greeting people. I miss um, the Cross family sitting, filling up an entire row with their friends and family. I miss Romy sitting on the, in the back um, with the signs that he holds up. You've probably never seen this, but I get to see this. These are things that I'm missing. And uh, I hope that, uh, you know, you're missing things too. And I got to tell you, I'm missing you. I'm missing you all being here in our worship center. I'm missing a chance to hear from you and how your life is going. And so as we uh, get through this, um, we're just going to keep uh, putting one day in front of us and tackling that one day. And uh, I also want to say this. Thank you to our um, first responders, our nurses, our CNAs, our other healthcare workers. Really appreciate what you are doing uh, there on the front lines and how that you are um, keeping our community safe. And uh, th- those of you that are, whether you're a part of our church or you just work out in the community, thank you. Uh, drop it in the comments. Thank- thanks to our uh, healthcare workers. Also want to say thank you to our essential workers. Um, it's amazing. Uh, many of you probably didn't think that you were essential, that you, you weren't that important. But as soon as this happened, your boss let you know that you were an essential worker and that you were more important than you ever thought you were. And so uh, to everybody who's keeping our community, keeping our country moving, thank you for what you're doing. Well, here we are in week five of I Love This Place. And I am um, going to talk to you uh, today about I Love This Place by Sherry. Now, although we're in week five on I Love This Place, here we are in week three of Shelter in Place. And I'm wondering how bad have things gotten to where you are at? And so I came across this video and I wanna share it with you and let you see, maybe this is your house right now. All right, well, hopefully that's not you and your wife or whoever that uh, is uh, close to you. Uh, But I wonder this, how bad have things gotten? Have you lost your cool yet? Have you gotten frustrated? I mean, earlier this week, I went to Walmart to pick up some things and they had changed everything and I got a little frustrated. I didn't lose my cool though. 
Um, but I'm wondering, has anyone else there? If you, if you lost your cool, do it. Just raise your hand. Um, put some kind of comment in there. Uh, maybe you found yourself yelling at the kids. You've never yelled at the kids before, but man, this, is, this homeschool stuff is not all that it's cracked up to be or has been advertised by uh, people who do this all the time. Maybe you found yourself yelling at your spouse, your husband, or your wife. Maybe you found yourself yelling at the mailman. I mean, they're the only ones who are still delivering the mail, right? And uh, yet you got frustrated over something inside the house and we start yelling at people outside the house. I wonder, what adjustments have you grown to appreciate through this? You know, for me, one of the adjustments that I really appreciated was the resiliency of the of businesses. Um, Carrie and I were talking about how that Longhorn uh, Steakhouse uh, now has it where you can, they, they've got pre-made sides, but then your favorite steak, like you can pick it up, take it home, and cook it on the grill. I've seen other businesses that have closed down what they were doing to uh, help uh, the front line, whether it's making masks or making other uh, personal protective equipment that we need. I love seeing it when our businesses do that. I love seeing uh, businesses that did not have takeout or delivery, and now they've adjusted their entire uh, business program so that they can uh, take advantage of this time and continue to operate. I think that's pretty cool. Well, there's a second question I'd like to ask you, and that's this. How far are you willing to go? How far are we willing to go? Think about it. No school. They might not go back uh, before the uh, end of the year. Uh, I loved uh, what I saw a friend do, and they uh, put a, a, something together that had uh, the Illinois governor saying that next year everybody will have to repeat the previous school year. And the kids were not happy about that. I mean, they were enjoying themselves until mom showed that to them. No movies. Life, you know, your, your life has adjusted. Um, the movie companies have adjusted. And what did they do? They, allow, they made it so that within a week, you were able to take a movie that's normally in a theater and see it in your home. No sports. I mean, some of you guys are having withdrawal symptoms for this. Uh, many people, no work. You know what that means? No paycheck. You know, life is changing. And how far are we willing to go? Well, here at the church, no Easter services next week. How about this? Contradictory information. I mean, it's going to be worse than we've ever expected. And then somebody else, ah, it's not going to be nearly as bad. Who do we believe? How far are we willing to go? Shelter in place? How far are we willing to go? Quarantine? Lockdown? Maybe they lock down the interstates. They lock you down uh, in your local town, in your house. Well, here's the reality. Behavior never lies. What do I mean by that? Well, think about what have you done differently? Things that you said you never would do. Like one of the things I thought was the silliest thing was I thought I'd never see it in America where I would go into Walmart and everybody but me was wearing a mask. And yet the other day, that seemed to be the case. Um, or uh, wearing gloves to go shopping. I'm waiting to do this, but um, making homemade sanitizer. You know, our behavior never lies. And so we might say, I'm never going to do this. And yet today, in this circumstance, we find out that, you know what? We are willing to do it. And let me ask you this. How far are we willing to go and for what? COVID-19? Coronavirus? You know, I mean, what I've heard is that 70% of the American population is expected to acquire coronavirus. Now, I don't know about you, but if I do the math, that means 7 out of 10 the likelihood that each of us get this is greater than not getting it. So what are we afraid of? Are we afraid of the symptoms? 
Well, if you read the statistics, they tell us that 95% of the cases have mild reaction to this. Are you, like me, um, afraid of the testing? I mean, I saw the video on what they do to test you, and I've heard the stories. And all I got to tell you is that is, I mean, like, I don't want to get coronavirus just so that I don't have to get tested to find out if I got coronavirus. Why? Well, I have this uh, feature, um, and many of you do as well, and it's called a vasovagal reaction. And a few years ago when I was in the Air Force, I was my um, boss, I was a squadron superintendent and my commander, he was an ear, nose, and throat specialist. Matter of fact, he was a plastic surgeon. And I had this sinus uh, stuff going on for an extended period of time. And, and finally, my wife convinced me, look, your boss does this. Why don't you just ask him? He's a professional. All right, so I listened to her. And, and I told him what was going on, that I had this sinus issue going on for a couple of weeks. And so he goes, well, hey, let's go check it out. And so I followed him, not knowing what was about to happen. I sit down on one of those uh, hospital uh, tables or beds, you know, the one with the paper on it, and, like, you can't get comfortable, and you feel like you're sliding off all the time. Um, And so I I sit down there. I lean back, but then he doesn't really have it back that far. And then all of a sudden, he pulls out what looked to me like an 18-inch tube, and he started sticking that up my nose. Well, um, remember I told you that I have a vasovagal response to things like this. And, and let me just explain to you what vasovagal means. And what happens is when your body senses something bad is about to happen to you, all of your blood vessels constrict so that the blood can get up to your brain, the blood can get all to your extremities, so that if you've got to run, that, that you've got all the ability that you need to run. Well, then what the vasovagal part is this. When you realize that, hey, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be, and so the body dilates the blood vessels. But it doesn't do this in an orderly fashion. It just stops. And what happens is blood going to your head doesn't make it to your brain. And typically, somebody who has a severe vasovagal reaction will pass out. And when I start to have this, um, I can see it, the big dark circle, and it just starts getting tighter and tighter. And so it got to be about right here for me. And I told the doctor, I said, I said I'm going out. And next thing you know, I'm waking up. Um, and I see the 18-inch scope sitting on the table. And I thought he just stopped when I passed out. And, you know, no, he said, no, I just kept going. Uh, laid the table down, let you, you know, finish what I need to do. He gave me, a, prescribed me a medicine. And I'm just telling you, when I think about that and I think about what could happen with having to get tested for C-19, I don't want any part of it. Well, you know, there's things a lot worse than just the testing for this. 5% of the people who come down with C-19 um, have a severe reaction. And so with this severe reaction, uh, the reality is this, that up to 2% right now are um, having a fatality. They're not getting out on the other side. So is it death? Is that what's really um, scaring us? I'm not convinced that it is. And here's why. Because when uh, I came across this, matter of fact, one of our church members had this. I said, I'm using this. And this is worldwide deaths from January 1st to March 25th. Look at that. Uh, And and again, this was a a little over a week ago. So on March 25th, there had been 21,000 deaths as a result of the coronavirus. Deaths by the seasonal flu, January 1st through March 25th, worldwide, 113,000. Deaths by malaria, 228,000. Death by suicide, 249,000. 
Traffic fatalities, 313,000. I didn't even know this next one was still an issue, but death by HIV or AIDS, almost 400,000. Matter of fact, I bet if you pull this up right now, it'll be over 500,000. Death by alcohol, almost 600,000. Death by smoking, 1.2 million. Cancer, over 2 million. People starving to death, over 2.4 million people have starved to death already this year since January 1st. And here's probably the saddest one that I can think of, and that is death by abortion. And that's well over 10 million, probably 11 million by the time that you watch this. Go to that website, worldometers.info, and you'll see, and it's, it's almost like a clock if you get down to the health section. So the question I have is, is this what people are afraid of? Are they afraid of the worst case scenario when it comes to the coronavirus? Well, I want to share with you something far worse than COVID-19. I want to share with you something far worse than social distancing. I want to talk to you about something that's 10 times, infinitely worse than being quarantined. I want to talk to you about something far worse than being on lockdown. I want to talk to you about the concept of sin. You know, see, sin doesn't have a 70% likelihood. It's a 100% likelihood. Matter of fact, Romans 3.23 tells us this. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. A few chapters later in Romans 6, 23, it tells us that for that sin, the wage, the cost is death. You know, I believe that in our DNA, our creator has put the desire for life. And so I think about Jesus and and he had a, a situation with the disciples and it was kind of similar to what we're experiencing here today in America. Matter of fact, um, it's, you find this in Luke chapter 21, and Jesus talked to them about something that, w- that was about to happen. Now, there are many theologians that, will, that think that Luke 21 was referring to as just another um, part of the synoptic version of the Olivet Discourse. But I believe that Luke 21 was something very different than the Olivet Discourse in Mark and Matthew. If I had time, I'd take about 30 minutes. I could show you the the key differences. Um, But in this case, uh, trust but verify. Listen to this sermon. Hear what I'm saying. Go and find out for yourself. Um, But what I want to do is I want to take you into Luke chapter 21. And I want to start reading in verse 20 to you. And verse 20 says this. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. And so Jesus is telling his disciples that while you're still alive, while you're still here in Jerusalem, you're probably going to see a time when it's surrounded by armies, which made no sense at the moment that he was making it because the Roman army was already inside Jerusalem. But what happened is in AD 66, there was a Jewish rebellion. And they kicked the Roman army away and and got them out of the city of Jerusalem and in the region. Well, Nero, the Roman emperor at that time, he wasn't very happy with that. And so he ordered uh, one of his top generals, Vespasian, to seize Jerusalem in AD 66. And so in AD 66, Vespasian and his son, uh, Titus, who was another general, uh, they went and they started a campaign to take Jerusalem back. And so for the first two years, they took the region of Galilee. Well, in AD 68, Nero died. And that created a bit of tumult there in Rome. 
And so the first guy that took over after him was named Galba. He died within six months of being, becoming the emperor. The next guy, Ortho, he committed suicide a few months after that. Then there was another guy who was um, the, the emperor, and the Praetorian Guard killed him. So now three different emperors have come and gone within a very short period of time. So Vespasian goes back to Rome. And so during this entire time, he's kind of ceased action against Jerusalem. He goes back to Rome and he ends up becoming the emperor. Let me read verse 21 and here's what it says. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains and let those who are inside the city depart and let not those who are out in the country enter it. Now, this is where if you look at Luke compared to Matthew and Mark and the Olivet Discourse, very different reactions to what they should do. And here's what we know is that, again, Vespasian has conquered the entire Galilee region. The only thing left was Jerusalem. Matter of fact, the historian Josephus tells us about the different uh, legions that surrounded Jerusalem, just like Jesus said that they were going to do. But then he leaves for Rome, ends up becoming the emperor. And now, once he's the emperor, he tells Titus, finish the job. And so Titus takes the Roman army, and he finished conquering Jerusalem. Now, the, the amount of time from the time that Nero passed away until Titus was ordered uh, to finish the, the job was 18 months. And so, in, if you look in verse 22, it says, For these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. For there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. What people is it talking about? It's talking about the Jewish people. It's talking about those in Jerusalem in the region. Let me finish in verse uh, 24. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And we actually see that now Jerusalem has been fulfilled um, and that I believe the time of the Gentiles are coming to an end. I would, if I were you, I'd go to our YouTube channel and, and check out the end time series where I talk about this very topic. But if you look, it says they will fall by the edge of the sword. Josephus in the Wars of the Jews, his book that he wrote, told us that 1.5 million Jews were killed when Titus seized Jerusalem. Now, let me ask you this question. Why did Jesus tell his disciples this story? Why did he tell them when Jerusalem is surrounded, get away? And let me ask you a follow-up to that. Do you think the disciples listened to him? Well, remember I told you that our behavior never lies? Well, we find out the, the very same thing is uh, true. And that is that um, another uh, Jewish historian who was one of the church fathers in uh, 8300, he told us that even though there were 1.5 million Jews killed, there were no Christians. And at that time, the majority, if not exclusive, um, Christians were Jews that had converted. Why? Why did the Christians get out of there? Because Jesus had told his disciples and his disciples had told their friends and family. Let's get another question. And that's this. What is God wanting you to do through this? C19. What is God wanting you to do? Here's one thing that I, I think about. And that is um, wartime is an accelerator for medical advances. I don't know if you know this, but we have ambulances today because of the Napoleonic Wars. 
um, life flight. Matter of fact, just a few weeks, two weeks ago, one of our church members was flown to St. Louis. That originated in Vietnam as part of the Vietnam War. Traumatic brain injuries, a lot of the research that we have now today is because of what happened in the global war on terrorism because of a lot of the improvised explosion devices that were happening. There's a, a, uh, if you go into um, Walgreens or a place where a pharmacy, you'll find a, a thing called quick clot. It's a little powder that if, you're, if you have a, a bad bleed, you can pour it on and it stops it immediately within seconds. Matter of fact, uh, uh, my wife, Carrie, uh, we were visiting her mom and dad, and I don't know why or what she was thinking, but for some reason, she reached up into the fan over the stove, and she cut herself very bad. Matter of fact, I would guess that um, she probably should have gone to the doctor to have this looked at. But for whatever reason, I was there, and I remember going to combat skills training, and I remember this stuff called Quick Clot. And so I went to Walgreens, and I, I brought about $75 worth of stuff back. And one of the things that I brought back was this uh, Quick Clot. And so, uh, you know, she had been holding pressure on it that whole time, and, and, and she let the pressure off, and the blood starts coming back out. And so I pour the Quick Clot. Now, I did not tell my wife. I did not prepare her. I didn't tell her that, like, you know, with this uh, C-19 test that they were going to put a probe back. It's going to hurt. You're going to cry. I didn't say any of that. I just said, hey, you know, pull that off. And then I poured the Quick Clot. Because here's what happens. The Quick Clot heats up extremely fast and basically cauterizes whatever the injury is there, and, and, and it stops the bleeding. And if you know my wife, she is calm, cool, and collected. But when I poured Quick Clot, uh, she was anything but. She is hopping, running around. She didn't say any bad words. Um, she was jumping up and down. And I think she looked at me and gave me the look because I should have told her this information beforehand. But I knew if I did, we would probably be going to the ER, and I just didn't have time to go to the ER. I don't know why, but I didn't. Wartime is an accelerator. And right now, I think that you're going to find out that C-19 is an accelerator for advances across the country. Go back to this Roman siege. Um, the same Roman roads that were built by the Romans to, uh, matter of fact, the Romans had, they decided they built roads that their army could get from Rome to anywhere in their kingdom within 10 days. There weren't roads before that. And, and so what's crazy is some of those roads are still better than some of the roads we're driving on in Illinois right now. Uh, but so these same roads that were used by the Romans to conquer Jerusalem were used by the Christians while the siege of Jerusalem was happening to get out and to spread the gospel to the world. What is God wanting you to do through this. I think about it this from a church perspective. The internet superhighway, not Roman roads, but the internet superhighway. In the first three weeks of this happening in churches going online, more people worshiped online than in any other time in history. Matter of fact, there are people who refuse to worship this way and because of necessity, they did. Uh, it was amazing that we found out that um, a life church had uh, created a, a, an app called online.church. Matter of fact, we're broadcasting on that today. The first week uh, that this happened, the East Coast churches alone crashed their servers. But here's what's amazing. Even though that it crashed, there were 28,000 people that raised their hand inside those chat rooms and said they were asking Jesus Christ to be their savior. Praise God. See, you know, just like wartime's an accelerator, uh, when crisis happens in this pan pandemic was a way for the church to be an accelerator to move on to the 
superhighway. We've embraced that here at TBCC. What you're seeing right now is because we decided that, you know what, we're, we're, we're ready, we're moving out, and we want to make sure that we continue to get the message out. And so praise God that we've been able to do this. Well, the whole point of this series is embracing your identity in Christ. I love this place, embracing your identity. Embracing your identity is the church. Embracing your identity is being outside the church and into your communities. Embracing your identity by serving, by giving, and this week by sharing. You know, let me ask you this question. I I talk about identity, and when you look in the mirror, what do you see? Do you see a liar, a cheat, a hypocrite, an adulterer, someone who's evil or immoral? I just want to tell you that your identity is not who you were. It's not the worst thing that you've ever done. Your identity is also not who you want to be, the best case scenario. Your identity is who you are right now. Matter of fact, your identity is determined by your creator. And if you go into Ephesians, you'll see that he spells out exactly who we are as Christ followers. There are, let me share with you something. In Matthew 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says this. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day raised. You know what he was talking about? He was talking about Easter. He was talking about what we're gonna celebrate next week. And even though we won't be in this building, we still get to celebrate Easter. And let me let you in on a secret. We celebrate Easter every Sunday. We should celebrate Easter every day. Going on in Matthew 16, in verse 22, it says this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, that that shall never happen to you. Now, you know what Peter was saying. Peter was a man's man. Peter was a fisherman. Peter was, I mean, he, people got out of Peter's way when, when Peter was having a bad day. And Peter was telling Jesus, I'm not going to let that stuff happen. And here's what Jesus said to Peter. Verse 23. But he turned and he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. You know, I got to ask this question. How many in the church during C19 are being a hindrance to God? How many of us are more concerned with our own selves than on what God wants to accomplish? How many are thinking that, you know, I can't believe that we're not going to have Easter service in the church? And I wonder if we were sitting there in the same room with Jesus that he wouldn't turn around and rebuke us. And saying, you're being a hindrance to the work of God. What do we do about this? In verse 24, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? How far have you gone on behalf of C19? 
What have you stopped doing? What have you given up? I, I would guess that that list is extensive. You, you could start talking about, I mean, some of you have given up a job that you wanted. Some of you have lost your paycheck. But let me ask you this. Let, let me ask the church. How far have we gone on behalf of something far worse than COVID-19? How far have we gone to ensure that our friends, our family, our strangers that we pass don't find out about eternity? Don't find out about the 100% positive thing that's going to happen and that sin in their life. You know, I think God is trying to wake the church up. And I think that he is using this pandemic going through our country as an accelerator for that. Well, the whole point in I Love This Place this week is about by sharing. Let me share with you my story of salvation. I was seven years old. I was living in Maryland. I was going to a Christian school. And every morning the teacher would give a devotion. And every morning, at the end of the devotion, she would ask if anybody who's never asked Jesus Christ to be their Savior, to raise their hand. And every morning, I just watched. And then one morning, when she was sharing the story, it dawned on me. It dawned on me that she was talking to me. It dawned on me that Romans 23, when it says, for all have sinned, little seven-year-old Ronnie had sinned. I knew what they were. And it dawned on me that Romans 6.23 says that there's a wage for sin, and that is death. And as a seven-year-old, I really didn't think about the concept of dying, but I realized that we all do. And then it dawned on me when she shared Romans 10, verses 9 through 10, and it says that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that Christ died on the cross and rose again, you shall be saved. And one morning, I got diagnosed with a condition of sin. And I took the antidote. I embraced Romans 10, 9 through 10. I asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. That was a couple years ago. Not lived a perfect life. but I fell into the 100% chance of sinning. And I would tell you this, that you're not the only person, Christian, that's listening to this. There's somebody that may be sitting beside you. There may be somebody that you're going to see later this week. There may be a loved one. And they're going to be diagnosed. There's a 100% chance that they're going to be diagnosed with this condition of sin. And if they don't, listen to Romans 10, 9 to 10, and they don't confess with their mouth and they don't believe in their heart, one day, whether it's C-19, it's a heart attack, it's any of those other things that are the leading causes of death, one day, they're gonna stop taking a breath and they're gonna enter into eternity. What are we gonna do about this? 1 Peter three fifteen says it this way. I just want to read a couple of verses in 1 Peter 3 to you. In verse 13, it says, Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? 
But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Now here in verse 15, it says this. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you. Now listen, do it with gentleness and respect. I'd like to ask you, what's your story? Who are you going to share it with? Who needs to hear? Why is it that you can face C-19 and, and it's okay? I'm here to tell you that if, if I contract this and I'm part of that 5% and I, worst case scenario, I die because of C-19, that's okay because I know that when I stop breathing here, I will be in the presence of my Lord and Savior. Not everybody knows that. How far are we willing to go? How far are you willing to go for C-19? Remember, our behavior doesn't lie. And let me ask you this, how far are you willing to go for eternity, for your friends, for your family? Your behavior never lies. Here's my challenge to you. Share your reason of hope during this pandemic. And remember, do it with gentleness and respect. It's hard. This is hard. And, and a lot of people, right now, Christians are being ridiculed and being mocked. Our faith is being put into question. And people don't want to be prayed for. They want to have the answer to C-19. But I'm telling you, there's something far worse than C-19. Join me in prayer. God, I just, I come to you and I ask you, help, help me to go further than I've been going. Help me to love my neighbor. Help me to reach out to my friends and family for something far worse than C-19, God. Lord, I pray that you would just lift up the Christians around the globe and allow us to share our faith and to do it in such a way that's effective. I ask this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.